standing in. We are without a doubt know that it's your divine favor. It's your mercy, Lord. This isn't anything any man has done. This is your grace, your gift to your people, Lord. And we want to say thank you. How appreciative we are, Lord Jesus. We're very, very thankful, Lord, for what you've done. I pray, Lord, now as we've we've taken this time to get our heart right, to get the to get the ground tilled up real good as we pour out our cup of praise, our offering, our sacrifice at your feet, that it's helped us to get the right mindset, to get our, our hearts calmed down, our spirits calmed down, that we might sit at your feet and hear your word. And that it wouldn't just fall upon our ears, Lord God, but that it would settle down real deep into our hearts. And that it would make us a doer of your word, Lord, not just a hearer. Uh, It doesn't, the Bible talks about the blessed are your eyes that see, blessed are your ears that hear. And and, and I say amen to that, Lord. But James also taught us that we've got to become a doer as well. We've got to, that brings fruit as a proven that it's working in our lives. Lord, we, we love you so much that you are real, that you care about every, every part, every aspect of our, of our daily walk, of our daily struggle, Lord. And, and we pray that it, with the revelation that's been revealed in this hour, Lord, that seventh seal being open, the line of the tribe of Judah having come forth and presented himself to be the mighty conqueror, the great king of kings, Lord, I pray that you would let that revelation and you and your presence, Lord, would so saturate us that it would just kind of uh, spread out into every part of our lives, Lord, into our daily tests, our daily struggles, uh, driving down the road, Lord, and uh, while we're at work or at home or whatever it might be, that this great presence of God, Lord, would not just be restricted to church or restricted to just a revelation, but that it would become become real in our lives, Lord, that it would put boots to it and it would go to work with us in our daily struggle, Lord. We appreciate you. We thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings that comes from serving you. We thank for all the many blessings that come from keeping your word, Lord, that walking according to your statutes and your commandment, Lord, we thank you for that, that you still keep your word. We pray that as you take this word this morning that you've given us, Lord, that you would quicken it to our hearts and you would make it alive. That it would not just be my words, it would not just be my voice, Lord, but you would take this and put it right where it's got to go. We love you, we adore you, we pray you would be with us in the remainder of the service. We pray you bless our brothers and sisters, that you would touch their bodies, that you would heal them and make them well, Lord. Body, soul, and spirit, we pray in your beautiful and lovely name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I guess, would be our first official service. <clears throat> Do you love the Lord? Amen. Amen. Mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Let's, just while you're standing, turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to read just two verses there while you're standing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Amen. 2 Peter chapter... 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Say amen when you get there. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. According as his divine power 
hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life, every part of your life, every aspect, every portion, every hidden thing. He's given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us the exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You may be seated this morning. Our, our title Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night was the unveiled word. Our, our title for this morning is unveiled attributes. Unveiled attributes. It, it's, not, it, it's not easy to be a Christian. It, it's not easy to walk with the Lord. It, it's not easy to, uh, just in that basic foundation of to say I give my heart to the Lord I, I, I've sought the Holy Ghost I, I've had that experience with him I, it's not a shake the preacher's hand put my name on the book anything like that but it's a it's an actual uh, communion and revelation with the Lord that I know that that fire of God is burning in my heart I know that even though I'm not perfect but that my life is being changed and it's being changed, and it's being changed. It's not an, it's not a, a, a microwave, uh, you know, a change. It's a, it's a time after time. It's a glory after glory. It's the prophet would talk about the day of our change of the translation that it'd be wave after wave of his glory that's hitting the earth. There's wave after wave after wave, and and it's changing our bodies. And and the moment that began is when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with fire. Now. To, to just say, uh, as a just a before you had the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have justification, sanctification, then the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm starting off real simple this morning, real basic, real elementary with this. As you, as you begin those attributes, uh, those parts of, of that work, of that inner work, of, of the justification, of the sanctification, before you receive the Holy Ghost, even then it's not easy to serve the Lord. Not in this world. Not in this world, not in this flesh. It's not easy. And I, I'm trying to make a point to stay with me. It, it's not easy to serve the Lord. And then it's not easy even when you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You still live in this same body, this same flesh, this house of clay, this pile of dirt. You have all the struggles, all the things that you got to go through and all the things that you got to die out to daily. It does not matter what revelation you have. It does not matter what revelation you have if your body is not coming to subject to that mystery, that revelation, that hidden truth. It does not matter until it goes to work in producing flesh through this flesh, producing fruits in this flesh. Now, we, we talk about not being easy, but, but, it, but it's very much worth it. It's very much worth it. You have one of two things. You have either seed of God or you have seed of Satan. And it's only, it's only one of two things. You don't have a seed of God, seed of Satan, and, and class, uh, door number three or, or door number C or, you know, another option or something like that. It's just only one or the other. It truly is black or white. 
truly is black or white. And if you look at the how that the Satan comes against you, and if you just not even, you'll kind of pull your, your, your magnifying glass, pull your camera, zoom out a little bit from your life, and just look at what goes on around you. Look at your daily life. As Let's say you get up and you go to work. You have the, you have the travel there. As you get up in that travel, whether it's two minutes or 20 minutes or an hour in that commute to work, you have most likely listening to your radio or listening to some MP3, something like that. Satan is, is at you even then trying to pull you away from the way of life. Just in your travel before you get to the job. Then you get to work and, and you don't walk into a job full of Holy Ghost filled believers that love the Lord and, and that are on fire for God and, and you walk in the door and they start encouraging you as soon as you walk in the door or meet you at your car. God bless you, brother, sister. Come on into work. It's going to be a good day of the, serving the Lord. You don't have that either. You're still in a fight. You're still in a struggle. Most likely you're met with you again. Come back, huh? Couldn't run you off, huh? They might not say that, but the spirit that's on them is trying to do that. The spirit that's on them is trying to make you quit, make you run off, make you give up. See, the thing about a seed, if a seed, no matter where it's at, anywhere on the planet, if it can find good ground, it'll grow. Now, the thing about the Holy Ghost is it'll grow any seed. Anytime, any place, anywhere, because it's the light of God. For example, if you had a had a seed buried up into a cave, an actual natural seed, and you could somehow get that light of that sun up in the twisty parts of that cave, it'll bring that seed to life because it's life giving. The thing about the Holy Ghost is what I'm getting at is no matter what kind of job you have, no matter what kind of school you go to, no matter what kind of any part of your day is, it could be the worst of the worst of the muck of the nastiest mire, but you're there. You're there. It ain't just normal no more. Because you ain't normal. Ain't nothing normal about you. Ain't nothing ordinary about you. Your presence is the presence of God. Your presence is the same presence that walked upon the shores of Galilee 2,000 years ago. Your presence is the same presence that got off the boat that day and all the demons that were upon legion got scared. Same one. Same one. Jesus Christ is the same today as he was yesterday, as he'll be next day. He's the same right now. God does not change. He does not diminish. He does not wear out. He's the same incarnate deity, God living in your flesh. Same one. So let's think about that walk again. You pull up to work. You shut the car off. You shut the door. You get out. It's God walking in the room. How does it feel now when you walk in that room with all those demons that are, that, are, that are trying to hinder all the other people there? See, the thing about the people is they can't help being bound. They, like you, were born in this world, shaped in iniquity, come in speaking lies, were just as much struggle as you have. But God in his mercy stepped down and picked you up. He dusted you off. He cleaned you up. He said, now go back and do it to someone else. It changes your perspective as you're walking in the room. You're not looking at combatants. You're not looking at the flesh of combatants. I'm here to war against you today. No, I'm here against the war against that thing that's on you, that's trying to make you beat you down and keep you in chains and bind you because he that's in me brings life. He brings deliverance. He still sets the captives free, the one that's in me. 
Now, you might struggle. We might struggle knowing this every day. We might struggle forgetting, kind of forgetting, well, I'm tired today. I had a, you know, had a bad car ride or, or didn't sleep good or overslept. And, and you come in all in your flesh and you forget who you are. You forget who bought you. Who forget who indwells you. And you run in thinking it's just you. You ain't going to be just you ever again. You ain't ever going to be just you ever again. Those days are gone. If you're sold out of the Holy Ghost, those days of just being you is gone. You are a walking, talking paradox. Walking, talking paradox. You remember, it's, I think it's at Matthew 5, Matthew 6, where Jesus is telling the disciples, I'm going to send you two by two. Don't take script. Don't take bread. Don't take garment. Don't take that. I'm going to send you out in the world. And when you come into that world, if anyone was to receive you, you tell them, anyone that was to receive you, that the kingdom of God has come nigh thee. The kingdom of God has come nigh thee. <clears throat> now, they did not take their house or their city and pick it up and run right next door to heaven and change their address and drop it down. They did not pick it up and move next to the nearest church, wherever it's at. So it's telling you that the kingdom of God is mobile. The kingdom of God is moving. Remember, a word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's in you. He's in you. So when you walk in, you brought the kingdom of God with you. And again, if David would make that statement that though I make my bed in hell, thou art with me. David, without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, without the saturation of that presence on his flesh, his soul, his spirit, his body. Yet even in such a communion and a fellowship and a knowledge of who he is and where he is would make such a statement. What happens to someone that's a Holy Ghost filled believer? It ain't hell no more. Because the mighty conqueror owns it too. Who named it? Great and precious promises. Great and precious. Not just, uh, you, you look at some, uh, we talk about being a hard, it's being a struggle to be a Christian. Because, you, you, you know, your biggest struggle is going to be, you know, between these two elbows. It'll be your biggest struggle right there between, you're going to be your own worst enemy. The flesh is most of the time weak, most of the time weak. But the Spirit wants the Lord. It wants to live for the Lord. So in the flesh, a lot of times if you're looking at a job, you know, it's the most common thing to, if you're going to go to work for someone, you want to know how much they're going to pay you by the hour. You're going to know what kind of benefits, what kind of hours uh, that they work, uh, you know, 7 to 3.30, 8 to 5, 9 to whatever it might be. You want to work all those things out. That way you know what you're getting in return for your time. Now, that's just a normal kind of job that you go punch a clock, that they maybe, maybe you don't punch a clock, maybe they say this time you start, maybe this time you end, maybe your salary, salary that what you are, but you're selling that time, that service, uh, you're selling your time and your labor and your sweat and your ability and all these things for whatever they're needing done. You're selling as a commodity your time to them, and you take that time and you give it for whatever they have need of. Now, and it's worth, I don't know, 10000 a year, 20000 a 100000 whatever the, the pay, rate might, pay rate might be. And you have, you know, most of the times, most people work to, uh, you know, an average, I guess, is 63 to 67 would be considered an average work span, depending on 
whatever trades you're in. Some burn out quicker than that. But you're looking at, I'm going to keep this job for this amount of time. I'm going to work so many hours a day, so many weeks of the year, so many months, all these things for so many years. And at that time, I'm just going to step back and relax because that time is over. And now I'll have some kind of retirement, some kind of social security, some to help me carry on until I leave this body and go to another body. So you, you think about things like that in that kind of a service, and that's just a very simple and natural observation of your daily life, which is only two, only two to, to keep you fed, to keep your car paid, note paid for, keep your light bill on, all of those things just so that you can exist while on this earth. Uh, you don't work, you don't eat. Basic thing. You don't work, you don't eat. You got to work so you can eat. Whether that be, uh, you know, growing a garden or having property. You understand all those things. You got to work to eat. But you understand that, that you have a labor or a struggle or a toil. Adam was told by the sweat of your brow, by the toil of your hands, things for this product. Now, you're not working for in a spiritual or soul aspect. You're not working for a 401k. You're not uh, looking for the employee of the month as far as I get these extra benefits. I get maybe a few more days off, more paid time off leave, more vacation, early retirement. What you're looking for, you're not, you're, you're not as a Christian walking up with that selfish desire of what do I get out of it? You're not walking up, you know, I'm, I'm needing a get out of hell free card. And, and I guess to get that get out of hell free card, I guess I'll go to church twice a week. I guess I'll sit in song service. I guess I'll, I guess, you understand, this is just human reasoning. This is the human process. And Satan will feed that fixation and make you think that it's anything, but it's nothing. It's just vain jangling. It's just vain imaginations. It's just, it's just trying to, trying to appease that move of God in your heart. You're not by works. It's not by your flesh. It's by that spirit taking control and living through you. And it's not your spirit. It's his spirit. So it changes your perspective and your desire to now you're no longer worried about getting out of hell because you know that price was paid, that assurance, that that rest that enters in. I know my name's on the book. I seen it there through revelation. I felt the witness of the Holy Ghost. I know that that eternal destination, is. Uh, it lines up with the origination. I, where I was then is where I'll be is in his arms is in that is in that presence of the Lord so all that's done and settled and nailed down and, and just tucked away so I guess this is when we retire we just kick back and uh, we just you know just we just live us four no more as Christians and we just no not that kind of a job because it's a struggle it's a job it, it's a purpose you're bringing the kingdom of heaven you're bringing the kingdom of god you're to shine the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of god you're to be a light into this world jesus would make a statement and i can only imagine being there when he would say it that that you know take a light and hide it under a bushel and they're thinking back then because nobody had flashlights, nobody had anything like that. It was all a, a candle or a torch or something on those lines. And and probably people thinking there, you know, you hold your candle and you put it under. And what's the purpose of that? Can you imagine as he draws that you know, analogy, that little you know, an idea, uh, just a dramatization? They're, they're, he's saying, well, like, well, who would do that? Who would install a light bulb and then take a black plastic bag and wrap it up so no one can see the light? Silly, huh? Isn't that good and silly? 
Same thing with your experience with the Lord. You're meant to shine. You're not meant to keep this to yourself. You're not meant to just, no. See, all my life, and, and I've shared that with you before, that, that I've always thought that you're waiting for the rapture, that you just get this revelation, your life has changed, now you just come to church, you go home, you go back, you come back to church, and, and you repeat this cycle until the change, and then poof, you're gone, and, and then just, you know, you'll have struggles until then, but, but that's all it is. You know, don't witness, don't tell anything about the Lord, but yet here we are still here, still here, still here, still here. So if there's a purpose for God's bride, the prophet would say that she has his word. She has thus saith the Lord, or she keeps silent. You remember that in church age book? She has thus, she has thus saith the Lord, or she keeps silent. She knows his word and what he wants done with it. So if you've got a job to do, and you've been paid as a subcontractor to do this job, you're not allowed to go on to something else until that job is complete. You're not allowed to go on to something else until that's complete. You can't say, well, I did, I'm installing these windows here, and I, I, got, I, you know, I started getting one little pain in down here, let's all go home and go on to the next job. No, don't work like that. You've got a job to do. Uh, you remember Brother Ram telling a story about Paul Rader, the brother that wrote Only Believe. And he was a Pentecostal brother, and he was, um, he had a dream one night, and he said it was just a dream. He was working for a logging camp, and he was way up this mountain, and he had these big logs up there, and he heard his boss behind him telling him, you need to get these logs down to the camp at the bottom of the river. And it wasn't like you could just roll them downhill. There were flats. There were things like that. And, and he's trying to pick these logs up with his own strength. And, and he couldn't get them picked up to get them all down to the camp at the bottom of the river. And he's working on it and struggling and toiling and all. But he, but he is actually trying. And then at one point, that voice comes behind him. There's a river right there. Just put it in the river and ride it down the river. Put that log in the river and ride it down the river to the camp. And he does that, and as he's doing it, he starts saying that as he's riding this log down the river to the camp, he says that, I'm riding on it. I'm riding on it. Gets it to the bottom of the camp. He gets it done. It, it, this, this won't be done in your strength. This won't be done in your, your intellect. This won't be done in, in your flesh. This will be done by surrendering to him to get you there. When you think about to go to talk to someone, to witness to someone, to, to share the life of God, the, the light of this message to someone, you're thinking, well, it's just me. I'm just walking up here to tell you this, and, and you're going to think I'm crazy. You're going to think I'm nuts, and you're probably not going to hear it. That's the devil talking. That's not God. Because when you get there, it ain't you talking. You're not telling them about Sam Parker. You're not telling them about what I did. You're telling them about what he done and who he is. And you're telling them about the greatest, most powerful, beautiful, lovely being that there's ever been and it's like and it's a joy to introduce them to him it's part of your job part of your job just to shine him now in this we talk about being difficult being a struggle to serve the lord we're not just talking about uh let's say two thousand years ago when you had just your normal amount of demons you're just your normal amount of demons you weren't born at that time uh you, you didn't have and to say, Lord, uh, let's be born in the easiest time there ever was. He, by his foreknowledge, his choice, uh, we just read that to you about his choice, where he put you was put you in the time he chose for you. 
Now, if he chose that for you, that lets you know he'll be right there with you to protect you and help you through it. So being the hardest time, being the, 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 the most demonic oppression and demonic resistance there's ever been, you have the most supremely godly, heavenly power to help you through it. Can I get an amen anywhere? You still doing it in your flesh? You still struggling along? Well, it's, I, I guess I got to drag this log uphill. No, no, he's in you. He's the one that's walking, to, walking right there with you. He's the one that can make it to pass. God bless you this morning. This mighty God that we serve, he don't give up. He don't walk away. He don't give in. He don't get bored. He don't get distracted. We get distracted. We get, uh, you get put on something, and you're like, well, I kind of forgot what I was finishing. He doesn't. He stands there patiently, patiently waiting for you to get back on course. He's a gentleman. You love him that way. Now, this one that we serve, in your end, being born in this day where it have all these extra millions of demons that were turned loose on the, the, this world for this day to make it Satan's Eden, to make it the perfect bad place to live. But the prophet would say that, that uh, God took 6,000 years to make his Eden there in the Garden of Eden and to make it there to put his place. Satan slipped and perverted it. That God has allowed Satan his 2,000 years to make this, 6,000 years to make this Satan's Eden. Now, if you look outside what you've drove here in, what you work in, what you go to school in, it's a pretty bad place. Uh, nothing's, nothing's correct anymore. Nothing's uh, up and down anymore. Nothing's level anymore. Nothing's black, nothing's white, nothing's straight, and everything's crooked. It's all perverted, and they're steadily doing that to make your own mind seem like you're the one going crazy. You don't know what identity you are. You don't know what you are, male or female. You don't know what this is this or this is this or this is this. And he's trying to pervert and twist anything. So not only do you have to go out there and fight through all those millions of demons of oppression, you also have the influence upon the flesh that you have to struggle with as well. But again, you're not alone. We just read to you exceeding and precious promises. So in the worst time, in the worst days, in the hardest time where there's more demonic oppression, where the lid of hell has come off, where the smoke has saturated everything, he is still an ever-present help in every time of trouble. He is still Jehovah Jireh. He is still the one that makes the way. He is still God and God alone. So when you get up each day and you wake up in what will be considered Satan's Eden and you look at what's going on and there's more forces outside. I think it was a joke about um, the Alamo years ago when, when they would open woke up one day and the entire Mexican army was outside and it was just everywhere you looked it was a Mexican army. Way more men than they had. You could easily look outside. Well, we don't have a chance. That is nothing compared to the odds that you stand against. Nothing compared to the staggering odds as far as numbers. But it don't matter how many brains, it still ain't enough. See, what we talk about, uh, the 250 million demons on top of however many there were. There was a third that fell. Uh, the, you know, the, the two-thirds are considered an innumerable host of angels, the two-thirds that did not fall. So if the third and 200-something million were bound by the river Euphrates, so I don't know what that number would be. But even if it was in the trillions, it still is not enough. Not enough. He didn't bring enough reinforcements. The Bible talks about as you go to, uh, as a man sits down to try to figure out what a war will cost him to wage a campaign. We need this many soldiers. We need this many swords, this many chariots, this many horses. We need all the food, all the armor, all these things to outfit and to use for them to do. He sat down and was he was working his numbers out, he didn't bring enough. 
Praise the Lord. He didn't bring enough. Because the one that you serve, the one that's inside of you, is the most powerful there has ever been and ever will be. Now, as we work through the, an attribute of what God is, God is love, God is life, God is, he's a protection, he's a deliverer, he's a lifter of your head, he's the one that brings peace, he's the one that gives revelation, he's the one that gives understanding, so that you can take this word, which is an exceeding and precious promise, and to put that to work in your daily life. As you're to take a computer, and if it's blank from the factory, maybe with a certain amount of factory uh, you know, preset settings on it, a certain amount of operating system, then you start adding what applications or, or hardware or device or anything you want to download to it, and that's you putting things into it. You understand? You're filling the RAM up. You're filling the memory up. As a computer, you're doing those things to that. But as a, as a, as a flesh body of Christ, we're taught to take that word and to put it across the doorpost of our heart, uh, to tie it, write it on the bedpost of our chamber, put it on the inside of our eyelids. So that as we take those exceeding precious promises, it's what all of our, our thought process, our, our acceptance, our, all those things is through that word. It's all absorbed through that word. Uh, again, back to the computer. If you're going to play a game or, or download something, it's through everything you've got upon that computer. Imagine a body only filled with the word of God. You'll meet every trial. You'll meet every test. You'll meet every question through the word of God. You'll use, you, you, you actually, in effect, become a urimathumum. You understand that? You become a Urim thumb. I was listening to a brother preach last night for Brother Tim Pruitt. And he was talking about that. And he said that, you know, years ago, I'm going to take my, my coat off. It got warm. Years ago, you know, with the Urim Thummim, that if anyone had a question, they would go to Moses. They would go to the tabernacle there. And they would have their question. And they would ask it across that Urim Thummim, that, that all that many jewels and many stones. And, and how it would light up would be the way the answer would be given. And in our day, years ago, we had Brother Brownham and, and God would speak to him. And many people would come from all over the world to ask him questions. They would ask this, Brother Brown, what about this? What about this? Brother Brown is no longer here. He passed away December 24th, 1965. But God is still the same. And we just told you that the bride has thus saith the Lord. The bride of Jesus Christ has thus saith the Lord. Brother Branham in his day, which was the first fruit, he had thus saith the Lord. It was God in one man. Now it's God in many-membered bride. The bride coming of Christ. Right now. So you become that you're thumb because it's God that speaks. It's God that answers any question. He's the one that gives revelation and understanding. He does and he does alone. So can you imagine your life being so saturated to his will to where that everything that comes out of your mouth is his word? I kind of feel like that's my end goal. That's going to be on the day of my rapture. Only words that come out of my mouth are his. Good morning. God bless you. How are you? Would that be amazing? Would that help your day so much? How many times you step back from either just normal conversation or get into a trouble or get into an argument and you walk away thinking, man, I wish I hadn't have said that. Oh, I wish I hadn't have said that. I should not have said that. You ever done that? Is that just me? Why would you like to walk away and say, I'm glad I said that. I'm glad he said that. I'm glad he said that. Not me, but him. Great and ex exceeding great, exceeding great and precious promises to make you a partaker of the divine nature. Our, our title this morning is the unveiled attribute, 
unveiled attribute. It's, it's an unveiled word, an unveiled God that has moved inside of his people. It's no longer me that lives, but it's Christ that lives within me. It is he that abides in me, not me abiding in You understand it? Sorry, they got too close. Him speaking. Simply, him speaking. Great and precious. Do you love that this morning? Do you love that this morning? Let's turn over to John chapter 16. Turn over to John chapter 16, verse 13. I'd love to spend more time in, there in 2 Peter, but we're already, time is always moving very quickly for us. The veil that was in that generation of Moses' day with the, 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 the commandments or the testimony that come down and what it did to that man. And then you fast forward 2,000 years to the Lord Jesus Christ in that day 2,000 years ago. And that being that flesh being the veiled deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now you have in this day, 2,000 years later, you becoming the word made flesh. You becoming the word made flesh. John chapter 16, verse 13. How be it when he, he, that should be capitalized, he, the spirit of truth, is come. When he is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. That doesn't say some truth. I will give you so much. See, the days of weakened ignorance is over. The days of a part here, a part there, all that's over. It's all. It's the fullness of Godhead bodily. It is all of God in you. Can you say Amen. He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. A little while, and you shall not see me, and again, a little while and you shall see me because I go to the Father. In the message, Israel and the church, 1953, March 26, 1953, Israel and the church, number two. Brother Ram said, I believe, I believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. He said, I believe in it. Do you believe in it this morning? Amen. You know how many people that call themselves Christians, they call themselves believer in this same God. They don't even believe Jesus was God. They don't believe that he was deity. Uh, which was the, um, 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 what, what was the, it was a Zwingli doctrine. The Zwingli doctrine, um, George Zwingli, I don't know what his name was, but he always taught that Jesus was not God, that he was not deity. And that's very bigly received, largely received amongst, I guess, the Swiss and the, uh, and other countries over there. But the Ram says on tape that, that they don't believe that he is God. They believe he was just a man, that he might have been a prophet, but they said the people said he was God, so that's what they just wrote down. Where are you at this morning? Is he God or not? Is he Elohim or not? Is he the creator or not? Anybody else you know that can take fish, tear it off, and it grow back? Nobody? Nobody? No, nobody got no buddies, no friends, no, no great man. He's the only one that can take fish and tear it off and grow back. He said, I believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. I believe in it. He was more than a prophet. He was more than a good man. He was God unveiled in flesh. God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. 
reconciling the world. So you understand what that reconcile means. That word reconcile means to make restitution, to work things out, to bury the hatchet, to smooth things over, to, to make a way of access. I'm using words of that as if you know me and one of you had had an argument, and I said something that hurt your feelings, or or you said something that hurt my feelings, and and we didn't talk for a while, and we wouldn't have fellowship for a while, and and what we did, whichever one that you say this about, went to the other person, and said, "I want to reconcile this with you. I want to bring you back into fellowship. I, I don't like not being able to say hi to you. I don't like being not being able to say I love you. I don't like not being able to call you and tell you I'm praying for you. I want to have fellowship with you. That's what that word." reconcile means that would take you and whatever it takes to fix the issue that's separated he reconciled it and drawed you unto himself you say praise the lord of that thank you lord jesus that ain't nothing you did that ain't cause you was a good person that ain't cause you just you were born in the right family none of those things that was his amazing grace that said i want you i love you come unto me he was God unveiled in flesh, God in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. That's who he was. He said, we'll get into that in a few nights, who he was. That's the reason you can't have faith, because you don't know who he was. And you can say, you don't know who he is. We, we spent that, that, that sermon here, that, that little series a few months ago on, on what is God, who is God, and where is God. If you don't know who he is can't have faith. They, they said that you saw Abraham. There's this question. They, they said, you say that you saw Abraham. You're not 50 years old yet. He said he wasn't but 30. He was weary and the service had drawn him down. And they said, you're not a man over 50 years old. And yet you say you've seen Abraham who's been dead for eight or 900 years. He said, listen, he said, before Abraham was, I am. I am, hallelujah, I am Jehovah, he is Jehovah Manasseh, he's Jehovah Rapha, of all the redemptive names of Jehovah was in him, and in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, he said, there he is. I've come down to deliver them, I'm declaring my name, tell them that will be a memorial through all generations that I am the I am, not the I was or I will be, I am the same God, Abraham says, as he's preaching this sermon, he inserts here the same God that was there that night is here right now. We just quoted to you Hebrews 13 verse 8. He's the same God right now as he was then. He's not changed any bit. He's not changed any bit. Now, in, as far as what God is or who God is, he's not changed one iota, one speck. He's still all God. The same purpose, the same one, the same desire, seeking to fulfill his word, his will, his way in your life. In your life. We talked a lot about those, uh, those five uses of that spirit of Elijah. That Brother Brown told about the five uses. You have Elijah, you have Elisha, you have John the Baptist, you have William Branham, and then you have Elijah coming back there in Revelation chapter 11. Those five uses. What God was so impressed with that spirit of that person was, whatever God said, he'd do it. Whatever God said, there would be no, what, but, no, but what if it makes them mad? What if I offend? What if I? No, he said, this is what he said. This is what he said. And God steps back and said, I love that. I love that. 
I love that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3 with me. Do you love his word? Amen. How good he is. How good he is to his people. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on, therefore, chapter 3, okay. Put on, therefore, as the elect. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. That means he elected you, he chose you, he picked you. We say this all the time. God did not, he's not stuck with you. He's not, oh, well. I guess you're the only one who wants to be called a Christian. This is all there is to offer. No, no. He picked you before the foundation of the world. Like I said earlier, ain't nothing normal about you. There's nothing ordinary about you. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. So now you know who he's talking about. That's me. He's talking to me. I'm sitting here 2,000 years after this is written, and those words are to me. Sam Parker, insert your name here. Put it on. This is you. Put this on as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Wait, he called me holy? He called you holy. And he also called you beloved. That's not just, yeah, I love them. No, I am beloved. I want to make you feel pretty special this morning. Bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. That means building each other up. Building each other up. Bearing one another's burdens, building each other up. That's an attribute of God. You understand that? It's an attribute of God. We were just the other day, uh, Aaron had smashed his finger real bad at work. Had a real bad black nail and just kind of purple and black and got real bad from hurting so bad. And he's sitting at the table and he's kind of got it up to his face like that. And I, I said, you understand that, that that right there is, is, for example, right now, we say my sister Michelle in the hospital. She's sick. She's hurting. She's a part of our body. And as far as your human flesh, if you hurt your finger, if you hurt your foot, everything goes to it to grab it, to hurt, to hold it, and try to make it feel better. You'll pull it up real close to you. And you're that way with your bodies, right? If your foot gets hurt, if you stomp your toe, you're going to, oh, oh, man, the goodness that hurt. If you break a finger or smash a finger or cut a finger, you're, just, you're going right to it. All of you is going right to it. You understand? And then as a, as a body of believers, because we're told that we are members in particular of the very body of Christ. The very body of Christ. Back then it was word made one flesh. Now it's word made many flesh. As a body of Christ, when one another is hurting, you go to it and you grab it and you minister to it and you love them and see what you can do to help and, and build them up in whatever it is they're going through. He says, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all of these things, all of these things, uh, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, all of those things, above all of these things, it's italicized, put on charity. Put on charity. Put on love. We, we opened with Second Peter there in chapter 1, and it, we, we kind of we, so we stopped right at the beginning of that stature of a perfect man that the prophet taught. You have your foundation of faith, and you keep building up from each one of those attributes. And you're walking up, getting toward the capstone, which is Christ, which is love, which is the bond of perfectness, which is the one that, that gives understanding and revelation, which is the one that now abides in your heart. He said, put it on. 
put it on. Now, if you've already received justification, sanctification, the baptism of the Holy Ghost with fire, you've already received that work, yet how can you put him on if you've got the king of kings living in your heart? You must die out daily. You must surrender more of yourself so that more of him can come in. Put this on. Put this on. Peter would say it like this. Now add two. Now add to your virtue. Add to your temperance. Add to your godliness. Add to your brotherly kindness. Add to it love. Put on that bond of love. That bond of perfectness, he says. And let the peace of God rule. There's where your flesh is going to struggle again. Because you live between these two elbows. Let it rule. But sometimes I want to rule. Sometimes I want my will. I want my way. I want my desire. You got to let him rule. And you say, well, no, he just said the peace of God. He didn't actually say God. God is what he is. He is peace. He's love. He's mercy. And if you're letting that rule, you're letting him rule. He can do whatever he wants. He can absolutely do whatever he wants in you. And his bride will never say no. Say, Lord, have thine own way. Have thine own way in me, Lord. Let the word, I'll finish that up. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which, to the which also you're called into one body and be you thankful. Now, if you're to look at that as one body of an assembly, one group of believers, just take it like that for just a moment. Called unto one body, one group of believers. And you just kind of shrink it down, not the, the bride of Christ globally, but just to shrink it down to somebody that fill in one room. You ever went to church with someone you didn't like? You ever went to church with someone you're like, mm, I don't want to hang out with them. I don't want to fellowship with them. See, if they're part of your body. You got to get over it. You got to come together. You got to love them. You, you can't let that, you can't let that uh, hinder your walk with God. You got to be thankful. Not just love them, not just forgive them, but be thankful for them. He's a God of variety. He's a God of variety. And, and he's not, he doesn't have one carbon cut. This is a believer. And now we have, you know, so many other believers exactly like that. No, he's got a you, 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 and he's got a me. And we're each one different. Each one from differing walks of life. Each one from differing um, struggles and tests and all the things that make you up. You're all different. Be thankful for it. I share that with you all the time. It makes my heart so happy when I see the Lord do something for you. Touch your body. Provide for you. Meet a need. Bring peace. Give comfort to you. All those different things. It actually makes me love him more. It makes me love him more. Because he's not just my God. He's your God. And I, every time I see him be your God, I know he'll be my God. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all, that's italicized, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Thanks to God and the Father by him. Turn to Luke chapter 23 with me. Luke chapter 23, verses 33. Luke 23, verses 33.
chapter 23, verse 33. <clears throat> now, you remember, um, which message was it? I can't remember exactly which one it was, but Brother Ram took those four words out of this particular verse. There they crucified him. I don't know why my brain, my brain's just going, going blank on me. But when they were come to the place, chapter 23, verse 33, when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, which is called Calvary. And it's, it's interesting how it even changed our, our own vernacular as far as what you would describe as Calvary. Uh, the most common thing you'd probably go back to in your mind was a uh, hundred years ago, if you think about a Western, as far as a movie and things like that, uh, you know, they'd call in the Calvary. If you're being overrun by someone like that, they'd call in the Calvary to come and help deliver you. To come and help deliver you. Wednesday night as we was in that, uh, that, that uh, the sermon there, we was talking about, we even read the scripture where it called the Ten Commandments the word of the testimony. Word of a testimony. And you have, it were, they would even call this place Calvary because this is where victory was wrought. Absolute victory. Total victory. Complete victory. When they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. The prophet told us there, the most holy place, they, the most holy people, crucified the most horrible death, him, the Prince of Peace, most beautiful, precious there's ever been. There they crucified him. You know, it's considered to be cursed to hang upon a tree. It's a curse to hang upon a tree. He became a curse for me and for you. There they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Then said Jesus, them crucifying him, the absolute worst, most horrible death the, 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 the most excruciating way to die because your, your body crushes in on itself until you suffocate or asphyxiate in your own blood. They, they're doing this to him, him and the malefactors, and he's, his response, his attribute, the attribute of life, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Now, this is the attribute of God. This is the attribute of the I am, of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his attribute. Father, forgive them. And you would in your flesh like, no, wait a minute now. They're, they done tore the skin off your back. They done tore the skin off your front. They beat you. They took this crown of thorns. And they didn't just set it gently on your head. They, all the things that they done to him, the one that created everything that there is, I've shared that with you before. Growing up, I've always liked a song that said he grew the tree. He said he motored and built the small, lonely hill that he knew would be called Calvary. Imagine the creator as he was shaping uh, the planet, making it a nice round planet with his hands, and he's shaping the planet. He puts it together, and as he comes apart a little spot, he, he forms this, and it's right here. They'll call this part Calvary. Right here, and then he grew a tree as he planted the seed in the ground, knew which tree would come up. He said, that's a tree that I'll die on, that I'll give my life, right there, that tree I'll give my life on. He knew it. The creator, hanging there, knew it. 
Can you imagine uh, in your own flesh the amount of dread you would feel? You ever had just as kids, you know, you got a big test coming up at school and, and maybe you're not studied enough or maybe you did, but the dread of coming up to it or as you get into an adult, you have some kind of a situation or a confront, confrontation or an argument or something like that you got coming up and you're kind of dreading it. And it, the further away it is, it just makes it worse and worse and worse. I got that laying out there. I know I got to go meet that and that's not going to be fun and I don't look forward to that. Now, give yourself an eon it'd be easy for most of us to chicken out I, I like there's a picture i saw years ago in i think it was a davis kid or a christian bookstore in jackson tennessee davis kid bookstore uh, and it showed just a little picture of a little carpenter shop where joseph worked in the corner and jesus is a young boy i don't know how old can't really tell four or five years old three four or five years old and the sun's coming through the window and as he's laying there, he's kind of kneeling on the floor, playing with three rusty nails. The shadow that he makes is the actual cross. I was walking through there one day, and I saw it, and I stopped me right in my tracks, and I saw that cross in his shadow all of his life. Like I said, if it had been us, we'd have chickened out. We'd have give up. We'd have said, no, that's way too hard. No, he said, I'll take it. And you're not walking into it blindly. He knew they would rip the skin off his back for your healing. He knew they'd rip the skin off your back, your, his front for your healing. He knew that by every stripe they laid on him would set you free and make you well. He knew that. And he did that. And here you have him now hanging in the most horrible situation ever be. And his response, as I said earlier, the attribute of God was to say, probably choking for air, choking for air, bleeding out of every orifice. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. You know, that wasn't even the angel's response. That wasn't even the angel's response. The angel's like, we'll burn this world down. We will tear it apart. Don't do that. Earth is screaming out. The prophet would tell us, don't do this on me. Trying to spit the cross out of the hole. Don't do this on me. But it had to be done. And his response was, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I love that I've never heard in any other, any other area anyone tell you that about the, 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 the three men on the cross, a total of four crosses that day outside of Brother Ranham. There was Jesus in the middle, and you had a thief on the right, thief on the left. And you, you knew all that all You knew there was one there, there was one there, one that spurned him, that, that cursed him, that spit on him, that was with the others, they were violating. You had another one on the side telling the guy hanging beside him, you know, we're guilty of what we are, we're, we deserve this, he does not. And, and, and God, in his mercy, as he asked him to please forgive me, he said, you'll be with me. I'll take you with me. But at the same time, not far from there, you have Judas hanging himself on a tree. Judas, so you had one taking one to heaven. You had one taking one to hell. There were four. I never heard of that outside of the prophet. Only one asked for mercy. Only one asked for mercy. This thief on this side was no different than the thief on this side. If this one would have just said, would you remember me too? Would you forgive me? His mercy would have said, yes. I forgive you too. I don't believe, I say this all the time, I, I believe every word out of God's mouth is creative. 
I believe it's supernatural. And, and I, I'll tell you how I pray even for this town. I, I pray, and I, I quoted that roughly here recently from Isaiah 55 on the things that God creates and, and the God in his creation. And that, that my prayer for this town, that God would, we just start right here with this town, and God would make every heartbeat in this town, every person, a sold-out Holy Ghost-filled believer. That the creator can do that. That the creator would take every heartbeat in this town and turn them to a message believer. That would live for the Lord and serve the Lord and perform his attributes. That's my prayer. Now, I know what the prophet said about being a tightening up at the seat. I understand all that. I'm not disputing all that. But I believe that God as a creator can make this entire town a believer. And that's why I pray. I'm not praying, Lord... I guess there's none here. There's no, I don't pray that way. I just don't pray that way. I pray that God let us start here and let us take this whole state for you. Amen. We've been told to ask big. Yes. Right. Ask big. Well, I guess, you know, I like the little fish out in the ocean. I don't want to drink too much. I don't want to drink too much. No, God, there's nothing God can't do. And we shared that with you two Sundays ago. Every human body was created to worship, to live for the Lord. Every human body was created for the king of glory to sit right there, right there, wherever it's actually in. Four, 24 elders and four beasts. Every human being. I understand Satan's perversion. I understand what Satan's done. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what God can do. Jesus said, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding. And the rulers also, which with them, derided him. They're still running their mouth. They're still saying terrible things at a man hanging, dying. It's not enough that they put him there. That wasn't enough to them that they, they can see. You can see his ribs as he's hanging. You can see through, no more skin. And so it's, it's not just, well, you know, we beat him up a little bit, we kicked him a little bit, but no, it's ripped the skin off of him. You can see maybe some organs sitting there. And that wasn't enough. He walked by, maybe throwing salt in the wound. Let's go deride him now. Let's go even say a little more. Say a little more about him. Say a little more. Say a little harder, a little bit worse thing about him. The people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, sneered they sneered at him he saved others let him save himself if he be christ if he be those words sound familiar if thou be the son of god turn these stones into bread if thou be the son of god that if you fall off this temple that the angels will bear if thou be if thou be you know where that come from you know where that come from. We just scrolled to you that message from uh, the deity of Jesus Christ. God is God. He is God. There's no question if thou be. He is God. There's no question. But the other attribute of the dark and negative force of what Satan will do, if thou be. If thou be. He is. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him, offering him vinegar, and saying, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. The prophet said that somewhere in, it was some paper put out, and I don't remember what kind of ministers that were association that was accepting it back in the 50s and 60s were saying that Jesus didn't actually die. They said that, that he had given him, they'd given him a mandrake weed that put him in a uh, more or less a, a, a life, lifeless coma for three days. This is what they put out. This was in the papers. This is in Reader's Digest, whatever it was, all that back then. And so many ministers were accepting it. Well, that, that kind of makes sense. He didn't actually die. They, well, they give it to him. When they give him water, they put it on the vinegar and they give it to him. This is what they were saying. This is what was accepted by so many people. And I, you know how much I hate this. 
that call themselves Christians. See, a Christian believes the word. And the prophet's rebuttal of such a statement was, he said, if you read your Bible, if you read your Bible, you would see where it says he wouldn't take it. It says there, he wouldn't take it. Here, take this vinegar. I won't take it. No. So you don't think that the word wouldn't know they try to say that about him? Well, yeah, you just took this weed and they stole your body away and now you didn't really die. No, he knew what they say because he's a prophet. He's the one that knows the end from the beginning. Amen? He knows the end from the beginning. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. They wanted everybody, every language around to understand what they were deriding him and what they were making fun of and they were poking at him and, and little, little sneers as they could facetiously say, this is the king of the Jews. As sarcastically as they could say it. No, he wasn't just the king of the Jews. He was the king of every galaxy and every solar system and every sun, moon, planet there is. He is king of all. He's the only king. The only king. Verse 39, and one of the malefactors which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other saying, the other answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You ever been really tired? You ever been so exhausted that you couldn't even make words, that everything was a chore, that you couldn't even stand be bothered with certain conversations? You, know, just, you ever been fed up and said, you know what, I, I, ain't got, I can't get no time to talk to you. I'm just done. I'm just done. Anybody? You ever been so tired you couldn't raise your hands? You know, we're kind of tired this morning from working this weekend, but, but, but you don't get no tireder. You don't get no worse of a situation. You can't say, well, you know, I was having a headache. I had a bad day. I had this or this was going on. There is no worst human situation that can ever be found without him hanging right there in the cross. And his response to that man would say, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I'd say he at least had a headache. He carried all of our sins, all of our infirmities, all of our sicknesses. He carried cancer. You realize he walked to that, 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 up that hill. He walked to that post where they, they, they tied him to and beat him, that he had cancer in him. He would have had tuberculosis. He would have had pancreatitis. You named it. Anything you ever had to face, he was carrying it, and he took it for you. So why should you bear it? Why should you bear it? I can't think of any reason either. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Amen. Go back to the second Peter with me. I love his word. I I love his word. I've been reading his Bible for a long, long time. And it always, it always impresses me. Absolutely impresses me as, as we go backwards and forwards, Old Testament, New Testament, middle, front, and back, that everything, you can see the heart and the mind of God in every part, and it always lines up right on you. Not to be, it's all about me, nothing, nothing heady, nothing high-minded, nothing puffed up. No, I'm the purpose and intent of God. I'm, remember Christ, the mystery of God revealed, but Abraham said God had threefold purpose, to make himself known to you. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord to make himself known to you. <clears throat> Go to chapter 1, uh, verse 11. Chapter 1, verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This entrance that's ministered unto you. Now, again, the prophet would teach us that when those seals are open, when the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb, took the book, he made it a new book. He pulled the seals off the book. Those hidden mysteries, they, they were come available to be seen and clear. He said it literally made it a new book. Not a different book. Not a different book. Well, for example, uh, if you've ever, um, let's try to pick something. Let's say something basic. If you don't know anything about arithmetic or math or just simple basic math, you pick up a math workbook and you go through and you don't know what one plus one is, what two plus two, what 20 plus 20, you don't know what it means. And you're looking through it you're like, well, I read this number, I read this number, I read this number. I don't know what it means, but I see it there. I can see the book. I can flip the pages. I can smell the paper, but I don't know what it means. And then once you get an understanding of what it means, you go back to it. I know what that means, and that adds to there, and that adds to there, and all those numbers add up, and poof, and here's the finished work. Wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Wisdom and revelation. So, verse 11, so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. Now, I, I like, if you take the Bible as a whole, you have so many t shadows and types all through the Bible of God condensing himself, or the prophet would say kenosing himself, trying to shrink himself down, and he would use that example of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You had a man that was five foot nine, five foot seven, whatever he was, about that wide, and the Bible says the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in that man. The prophet would say, you took all that God is, it fills all time and space, he exists in every point of time he is everywhere there's none bigger there's none larger and the bible said he kenos himself into one body Amen. now the purpose was to purchase your redemption to start a work to bring an access to give you this interest where before you could not even get near him without being killed you could not get near him without your life being taken from you because of the sin, because of the curse. But that entrance now is not just, okay, we're going to open the door and crack it a little bit. A little bit. It doesn't say an entrance is ministered unto you slightly. Not slightly. Not partially open. Not just, well, I can see. Remember the seals on the book? You couldn't see very much. Well, I see a few words, but I don't really see much words. And you're not talking about as a type of the children of Israel coming to the land of Canaan. They weren't just to stay on the border. They weren't just to stay on that side of the Jordan. You can't just step inside the boundary. you got to walk on in it. Walk on in it. The exceedingly abundantly is in the land. Walk in there. Come abundantly. It's ministered unto you abundantly. In the natural type, the grape Sylvester was bigger than a man's head. In a natural type, that it took two men packing this one branch of grapes. That's a natural type. I ain't talking about anything grown on this planet. I'm talking about exceeding and abundantly precious promises that come from that dimension, which is the very life of God unto you. An entrance. And again, it's Revelations 4. It's an entrance. You've come into the kingdom. You've got to keep coming up higher. 
Keep walking up higher. The, the, the pyramid that, 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 that Peter talks about in this, as far as that walking up those steps of foundation, of faith, of, of virtue, of knowledge, of temperance, of godliness, it's walking up to a point. You can't just step upon the, the next step of faith. Okay, here we are. We've got all of God. And then someone comes on and makes you mad and you're like, you blow off at them. No, you need some temperance. You need some godliness. You need some patience. You need some long suffering. You need some virtue. That's a part of the character and attribute of God. You got to keep walking up toward him. And it all comes not to some uh, shotgun blast or a way over there. No, it all comes down to very razor's edge. Very point. Well, just here. No, it's a pyramid. All the sides, no matter where you come up to, come to a point. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in its way is death. But the way of God leads right to him. Right to him. An entrance, ministered, given, uh, exercised, made accessible, uh, freely put in your life. Freely put in to you. One translation is supplied. Think about that. Change that word to supplied. Pull the ministered out, make it supplied. An entrance has been supplied to you. So many times that, you know, the English language doesn't really mean anything anymore. Uh, you've heard different people uh, talk about it. <clears throat> There's a comedian, uh, I guess, years ago that, that told the story of the three little pigs in uh, you know, 19th century English versus to probably 1980 or 1990 vernacular of an English and, you know, right now, if you were to say it in 1990, you know, this is years ago, so it's not anything, it's even worse yet. If they were to tell the story of the three little pigs, you know, it's over in like 80 seconds, 90 seconds, not even a minute. But then, with all the words that were put in, this word means this, this word means this, it's good five to eight minutes, and you walk, well, I, I got a, I've got a very good, clear, visual image of what just happened in the story of the three little pigs. And you can understand that. But, but you got me as far as a, a, a vernacular understanding. So if you take the word minister, most people don't understand what the word minister means. Ministering doesn't mean necessarily standing preaching. Doesn't necessarily mean to stand. In this use, this application is I'm taking the balm of Gilead, the word of life, and I'm ministering it to you in this form, trying to get past your ears, past your eyes, past your heart, into your soul. Ministering that way. Ministering is also is if you have a need, if you're struggling with a, a bill or a, you know something like that, to come along and try to help give you food, try to help loan you some money, anything. That's a ministering as well. Most people don't understand that. But if you change that word to supplied, oh, I got you, Jehovah Jireh. I got you, Jehovah Jireh. Your mind goes right back to Abraham on top of the mountain with Isaac. He's about to sacrifice his only son that he waited 25 years for, endured all of that ridicule and critic and everything. How many of you kids you got now, Father of Nations? Over and over deriding him, scorning him, sneering, making fun of him, and saying, how many kids you got now? I'm still holding on the promise. It ain't come to pass yet, but he said it would come, so it's going to come. Praise the Lord. And you find him go up there, and now that your child is born, he's 8 to 12 years old, go sacrifice him unto me. All right, let's go. He didn't sit down and go, oh, man. I don't know about that. No, he grabbed him and went. He, but the prophet said he had to slip him out of the house because Sarah wouldn't understand. He had to slip him out of the house. But Abraham wasn't scared. Abraham wasn't concerned. He said, no, 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 because his testimony to, the, to the, uh, the people, the servants that were with him, myself and the lad will return. And him both were coming back. 
Why? Because God said in him would be your seed. In him, your seed would number the sands of the earth. In that seed right there. Okay, the prophet taught us. He made it a little bit clearer words. He knew that as soon as he plunged that knife into his chest, that God would bring him right back. Because he received him as one from the dead, that God would give him back from the dead. Because he believed God's promise. He believed God's promise. So, Jehovah Jireh, the one that supplies. We talked about that on Wednesday night about the unveiling of the word that in the years past when Moses' time and that in that veil, and the Bible would use the phrase that veil. That veil that even years later, so many thousands of years later, as people read Moses' law, that the veil is still on their heart. And as they're hearing those words read, their heart is shut down and cannot hear what was read. That veil. And then Paul says that when that veil is done away with, that veil. See, everybody from when Moses received the law to the cross, everybody upon the earth up until that point, guess what? This is going to shock you. They were all humans. Just like you. They were humans. Just like you. The word would be given under the sin curse, under the law, and they would shut off a part of them. They had no access to the Holy of Holies. They had no access to the tree of life. Remember, that tree of life, that way was cut off to where they could not get to him. But now, since what God has done in the mediator of the New Testament, of the new covenant, that blood sprinkled upon your doorpost, now you've been saturated, bought with his own blood, washed in his own blood, loose from your sins made kings and priests not just priests and king but now kings and priests fit to rule the way he does this is an entrance that's been supplied and it's not just to say okay i believe the message i believe god sent a prophet i believe god did this i believe god did this and now this is all we got like i've said many times there are many people that believe that god sent a prophet and that's all they want okay Here's, here's where they are. I believe God sent a prophet. I believe William was, Brandon was a prophet. That's all I need to know. I want to know why God sent a prophet. Why would God take time out of his day to so shape and form a man where God could speak through him and he would so give himself for God just to say, well, God sent a prophet. There was a reason. God has a reason for everything he does. Everything he does. And if you're getting tripped up on whether or not he was a prophet, then you got a lot more issues, more issues at hand. But if you come on to the land, come on further in the land, check. Yes, as a prophet. Yes, God spoke to him. Yes, God opened the seals to him. Yes, God brought this word for this day to lift me higher. Just like my type of Enoch, to lift me higher, to lift me out of here. He's still with me. This entrance that's been supplied, it's been supplied unto you. Oh, just a little bit. Not very much. See, again, words mean things. Words mean something. When it says abundantly, it says you're going to make it. It says God's for you. Who can be against you? It says he meets all my needs. He said he's God and he changes not. Whatever I have need of, he supplies. You understand? Because it still comes back into your daily life, too. It still comes back in your relationship with each other. It still comes back and you be able to get along with your family, get along with your neighbor. It comes back to that as far as how you do at school, how you do at work, how you do when you're driving. It all comes back to that. You're not just driving your car as if, you know, no big deal. I'm just driving. And if I, if I don't drive straight or if I drive erratic or you, you have um, different tickets that are given out if a cop's going to pull you over. And if you look on that, they'll have on there uh, uh, to drive left of center. 
That means over the middle line. If you're driving erratic, if you're going over the line, you understand you're just swaying back and forth. You'll get a ticket for that because you're supposed to go straight. And it's not that you're trying to please some cop or some mayor or some local magistrate. I'm not driving my car worried about what the cops think. I'm driving my car worried about what the Holy Ghost thinks. I'm driving my car to everything I do trying to please him. And I'm not going to be haphazard. I'm not going to be just lazy or lackadaisical or, or any word you can insert there. I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. Ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is the kingdom of God? Is, is, it, is it an actual um, a city floating around the sky? You know, out in the, in the stratosphere, up in the stars. And uh, we shared that here recently with you, how so many people struggle with that. When the first um, astronaut come back, they asked him, did you see heaven there? Did you see God there? He said, no. So many people become all my life, I was told that God was in heaven. And we call that heaven. That's not heaven. That's not heaven. Heaven is wherever he is. That's heaven. Wherever he is. So the actual kingdom is him. So as you come into him, he comes into you. You're not just, he's not just going to give you a little bit of himself. You're not supposed to give him just a little bit of yourself. You're not supposed to say, God, I'm going to give you not abundantly. I'm going to give you. No. Come unto me, all you that are weak and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Now, you come unto me. Give your life to him, all that I am. He goes on to say in verse 12, I will not... I will not, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, though ye know these things. <coughs> well, let me ask you that. Uh, you, you've read the Bible. Most of you read the Bible many times. Most of you read the Bible frequently. You've read this scripture before. Uh, as you are sitting right now in your current walk with the Lord, where you are this moment, this second, this day, and you're walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, you've read these scriptures before. Does this mean more to you now than ever before? But you already knew them. But as you walk with the Lord, these words mean more and more. As you walk more with him, it means more and more and more to you. It literally becomes your very life and your very breath. And he says, I don't want to be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. My thoughts are, keep it up, buddy. I love it. Don't stop. Bring it. God, I want to hear it. Tell me over and over and over and over and over. I love him. I want to know more. Um, I want to put you in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. And there's the key right there. Present truth. Present truth is proof of the Holy Ghost. Present truth. Not speaking in tongues, not running, jumping, shouting, uh, any of those things. That is a part of the gift of the body of Christ, and it has its place. You know, I'm not against that, but I'm saying that that's not the proof. The proof is accepting the revealed word of your day. Walking in and established in the present truth. He said, yea, I think it meet or I think it necessary. I think we should do this as long as I'm in this tabernacle, this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. 
We talked that recently about how to create an atmosphere while you pray. When you start to sit down and pray, you're not to just, you just plop down and start rattling things off. I, I told you one of the easiest ways that I can think of to create an atmosphere is start thinking about what God's done for you. You think about that. You, you're having a rough day or, or you, I, Lord, I'm struggling to enter into that, that presence and that anointing of prayer with you. Lord, I, I remember a time that I was struggling financially and, and you provided this out of nothing. You created it out of nothing and you met my need. I was sick with whatever, whatever, whatever. You stepped in and touched my body and just like that it was over. I thank you for that, Lord. I also remember this. I remember this. I remember this. I remember this. And you notice everything starts changing around you. Now, you're not changing him. You're not changing the anointing. You're always anointed. What you're doing is bringing this body into subjection by putting this body in remembrance of the things of God. I remember that he did that. I remember that he did that. I remember that he did that. He's still my God. My God. And it brings you into subjection. And then you notice that anointing and that presence and you start praying then. Ask what you will. Ask what you will. Praise the Lord. Knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, he's talking about giving his life to the Lord, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we've not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I, I could spend a couple hours on that one verse right there alone. You understand that he's talking to you about Mount Transfiguration. This is what he's telling you. I was there. I was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, all three of them, and I saw him transfigured before me. I saw him show us the first fruits of a rapture. I saw that. And he said, this ain't some good fable. This isn't some kind of tale or yarn or, or myth. This is what happened. He said, I'm not, we not follow some cunningly devised fable. He said, but we made known unto you. We let you know what we saw. You know, he told them, don't tell nobody until I've been ascended. He told them that. Don't tell nobody that until it gone, until I go. We may know unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we're eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, as you search your scripture, he's not talking about the first coming right there. Made known unto you the power and coming. The power, this isn't the first coming that he's talking about. If you look at that, he takes you back to 1 Peter where it says when the day star is risen with healing in his wings and he's risen in your heart, that power, that coming, this coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You still with me? You everybody understand where we're at? He said, we've not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father and honor, the Father, honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. A voice. A voice out of heaven. They heard a voice out of heaven. You understand? We don't have time to jump back and read that. They heard a voice out of heaven saying, What a mighty God we serve. They heard a voice saying out of heaven from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I am well pleased. Now, 
You've got uh, all these different aspects. And again, I have no time to jump into that. You have your shadows and your types up. They saw Moses and Elijah. They saw Moses and Elijah. The same Elijah, the same body, the same flesh that was taken up in the chariot of fire. They say they saw the same body of Moses that died and they buried him and then he come up missing. Moses was resurrected. This is why Lucifer, you find him in Jude, uh, disputing about the body of Moses. Where's the body of Moses? Up until that point of the cross, he, had, he, had, he claimed access to every of those bodies of those because he stole the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He stole them. He did not own them. The abstract title deed owner was Elohim, never Lucifer. He stole them. So you find that you have Elijah and Moses standing there. Peter, James, and John see this. Jesus is glowing like the sun. They're looking at a raptured, glorified body condition. And you have right after that, you have Revelation 11. The two witnesses. The prophet would tell us that, that he was there to give them special instructions concerning what they would do to the tribulation. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. But he's telling you, we're standing there watching the first fruits of that. We're watching with our own eyes, our own body, a, someone that was raptured. To be transfigured is a similar use of a translation. Translation is not to break down necessarily a language, translate from Latin to Hebrew to Hebrew to Greek or Greek to English, but to translate to be used from here to here or changed. Such as glory to glory. So you follow me. Mount of Transfiguration. They're looking at a finished work. And him, because every scripture that speaks to the groom speaks to the the bride. Every scripture, you see Jesus Christ on every page. You see him. Then you see yourself. You can see now a description of what you look like during the change. That's exciting to me. That, that, you think about that. He could have said, imagine Peter, James, and John sitting around later talking amongst themselves, the guys that were there. You know what? I bet Enoch looked just like that. I bet he looked just like that the day the Lord took him. Because that's rapture condition. That right there is rapture condition. It's that changing. You're not just this terrestrial form. You're not just this, this earthly thing. Not just this tabernacle. And you're not, you're going to move between this body, the awfully, the glorified body, all consumed in May 3 and gone. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses of his majesty. Eyewitnesses. I, I love that. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, where there came such a voice, such a voice. In 1933, on the banks of the Ohio River, Brother Brown was baptizing the 17th person, and he's just normally baptizing a thousand people. I don't know how normal that is. That'd be pretty wore out. Baptizing the seven, not a thousand, there were a thousand people there, but, but 17 people is a lot of people to baptize, to dunk and pull, not to dunk, but you know, take, that's a lot. That's a job. And as he baptized the 17th person, a voice comes out of heaven. It says, just as John the Baptist forerun the first coming of Christ, your ministry will forerun the second coming of Christ. That voice did not come out of a uh, radio in his pocket. It did not come out of a car on the bank. It did not come out of someone on the voice. That voice come out of heaven. A voice out of heaven. A voice out of heaven. This voice says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And Peter goes on to describe where this voice come from. Just in case you were wondering, maybe you've been struggling about where that voice come from. And you're walking around. You hear it, right? You hear it, right? There's no denying who it is. 
There's not no, is that the devil? No, you there. It's godly fear, godly reverence. For this voice, verse 18, this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We heard it when we were in heavenly places. We heard it because we come from there and we go back to there. That's why we heard it. That's why we heard it. And now he goes on to say, verse 19, we have also a more sure word, a more sure word, or a translation will be the prophetic word made more sure. He's done went on and on about uh, bringing these things to your remembrance. Do you understand me? Do you believe me? I know I keep talking about this, and I keep talking about this, and I keep talking about this, and it might want to seem like, well, he's still talking about it. He's like, but you must understand, this is a more sure word of prophecy. I'm telling you how you'll be changed. A more sure word of prophecy whereunto that you do well that you take heed. Take heed. Pay attention. That you take heed. Listen to what he's saying. If you want to take a rapture, listen to what Peter, moved upon with the Holy Ghost, is telling you. Take heed. Don't get distracted. Don't look off. Don't get strayed one way or the other. Listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. That you do well that you take heed. I say you do pretty well if you listen. You're not going to say, man, I wish I hadn't listened. You're not going to be saying, you're going to be saying, well, I wish I had listened. It would have done me better if I had listened. Where until you do well that you take heed is unto a light. Look at his description. Listen to me, he says, as unto a light that shines into a dark place. Listen to me as unto a light that no light, no, no, no candle that is lit, put under a bushel, bushel and hidden. No man does that. Listen to him, he says, as unto a light that shineth into a dark place. John 1, the, the, the word became flesh, this light of God come down, and the darkness can't comprehend it. I don't even know what he's talking about. I don't know why he keeps running his mouth. I don't understand. It's light piercing the darkness. Light is the truth of God. It is what dispels all fear, dispels all ignorance, takes away every excuse, and you're only left with black or white, truth or error. Lie or life. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn. The day dawn. This is our presence. This is where we're at right now. Are the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. The Bible talks about the church ages, how there will come a day that is the same day nor night. That as Isaiah says, that the entire world is groping in darkness, that they sit bound in the chains of darkness. Their ears are stopped. Their eyes are blinded. They cannot perceive. They cannot understand. But there is one that arises with healing in his wings, with balm for your eyes, I staff for your eyes. That's the latest in church age. Each thing keeps stepping up. Come unto me. Get this eye staff for your eyes so you can see. Help your ears to be unstopped, open, and unharden your heart. So you can accept this sure word of prophecy as a light shining into a dark place because the day star has risen with healing in his wings. The day star has risen with healing in his wings. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Verse 20, knowing this first. He, again, just, making, just, just explaining himself, just so we're all on the same page. Everybody picking up what I'm laying down. Everybody, everybody got me. Everybody understand. Peter's like, you, you understand me, right? You, just so you all understand. He said, knowing this first, let's nail this point down, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. 
You know how many table, people have taken uh, uh, their own idea of the word, their own slant of the word, the only something, so this is what God showed me, and you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and I can't even tell you about it. No, it's, it's, it's far off as many the Lord our God should call. Because again, what's the key word, what's the key phrase? The Lord our God should call. He does the calling. He does the calling. Knowing this first that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time or back then by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. As they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Let's stand to our feet and have our musicians come. The day star. You love the presence of the Lord. There's nothing like it. Let's sing that song, Stay. There's nothing like the presence of the Lord. You've been given access into it. And we've said this a lot, that you can be standing by someone in this very room and they would slip right in that heavenly place. They'd slip right in that anointing. You could be standing right beside it and not even know it. Satan wants to distract you. He wants to keep you with burdens of this life and anything he can to glare in your eyes to keep you from just calming down, just believing what God has said, and just sit and stay in his presence. This isn't anything that you've done. This is what he's done for you. This isn't anything you're worthy of. This is because he chose you.
how rich, how beautiful your word is, your presence is, your anointing, Lord. Lord, I'm so thankful that our hearts aren't wishing for you to leave or just to get on to something else, Lord. We've got no better place to be than in your presence, in this room, in this atmosphere, Lord. This is my life, Lord. This is why I live, to be in your presence, Lord. It's why I was created, to worship you, to love you, to live for you, Lord. Built to shine your light, Lord Jesus. Lord, draw near. Let us draw near to thee, Lord God. Let us lay aside anything in our life that's not pleasing to you, anything that might stumble us or beset us, Lord, anything that that would put a block or, or, or put any kind of space between yourself and us, Lord. We only want you more and more and more and more and more, Lord. I want more. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that you would bless them in such a special way that you would take your word, Lord, and continue to open it and unfold yourself to them just from moment to moment, keep from scripture to scripture, from uh, message to message, Lord God, just illuminate our past with the light of your word and the light of your presence. We thank you, Lord, for saving us. We thank you for redeeming us. For all that we need of, for being the lifter of our head, for being God that meets all of our needs, Lord. Bless our brothers and sisters pray you would help us, Lord, to be more diligent, to pay more heed, to put more attention, Lord, to what you want us to do in this world. As far as our purpose that you want in us, lead us and guide us. Have your way in us. We surrender all that we are to you. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place this morning. I pray you be with us as we go our separate ways and bring us back for our service tonight, Lord. Thank you so much. We love you, Lord, so much. How beautiful your word is. How beautiful your presence is, Lord. Confirming your word. We adore you, Lord. Be with our brothers and sisters, Lord. Even thinking just now, Sister Michelle, Lord, you're the God that heals all of our diseases. Lord, you're the creator of the body. You know exactly what she needs, where she needs to be touched, Lord. I pray you'd move on her behalf. Lord, we lift up Brother Glenn to you right now. Nothing is too difficult for thee. There is not one infection. There's not one debilitating anything of uh, anything that Satan would throw our way, Lord, that, that stumps you, Lord, for you, you sent your word and healed every single one of Glenn Webster's diseases. We bind together as a body of believers that love him, and we claim that promise. That's one of those exceeding and precious promises. We claim it, Lord. In your name, Lord Jesus, bless him, Lord, we pray. For all of our brothers and sisters in this area, all over this planet, right now, wherever they might be, I pray you would pour out an extra special blessing on their life, Lord. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory, and we love you with all that's within us. In your precious, lovely name, amen.
Remember uh, communion and foot washing tonight at 5. We'll, of course, have lunch over in the building. You're all welcome to come. God bless you. You are dismissed. Appreciate you. God bless you richly. Let's sing that again.